Hey G12 family, welcome to our podcast. We are so excited to have you here. We know this message will draw you closer to God's word, his will, and his way wherever you are. Enjoy the message. I went to school, my undergrad, college, whatever you want to call it. Um, I went to school with this guy, and he wanted to, like his area of study was animals. It was completely different than mine. I don't know anything about animals. I just know like there's cats and dogs and that's it, you know. Um, But he was like super into studying animals and his focus was studying wild animals. So we both graduated from college and I went on to continue my education, which I am still in. Um, And he went on to study wild animals. His specialty, he wanted to study the wild um, eagles. And so after graduation, he went out to those amazing national parks that we have here in the United States that you guys all have on your desktop as your screensaver. So he went out there to study the eagles. And one day he was out there studying the eagles. And, you know, they have like their little outfit on, the khaki outfit with shorts, you know. And he had his binoculars and he saw an eagle flying really up high. And then suddenly he saw that the eagle started to sway in the air and saw that the eagle spotted a prey. And so the eagle started to get lower and lower and went down into this hole in the ground and caught a weasel. You guys know what a weasel is? (laughs) That's a weird word, right? He caught a weasel. And so the eagle grabbed the weasel in his claws and his talons and started to soar and soar and soar and fly really up high. And so the whole time, because this guy's like super into animals, he's with his binoculars like he's watching a movie. He's like, wow, this is amazing. And then suddenly he sees that the eagle stops flying and just starts to fall to the floor. And the eagle falls all the way down and hits the floor. So this guy gets in his little Jeep and he drives over to where the eagle is. And he stops there and he looks and the eagle was dead. Oh, sad, right? (laughs) And it's going to get a little bit more graphic. The eagle, what happened was that the weasel had clawed into the eagle's chest and killed the eagle. And so he started to think, and he said, all the eagle had to do was let go of the weasel. The weasel would have fallen to the ground because the weasel couldn't fly. It would have died, and then the eagle could have easily taken it back up to its nest. But instead, the eagle held on tight and refused to let go of the weasel, even though it was killing it. Right? And so today I want to talk about escaping our past. You guys get it, how it connected? Yeah? Yeah? You see, I told you. So today I'm going to be talking about escaping the past. Can you guys say that with me? Escaping the past. And I want to see what the Bible has to tell us about that. And so I'm going to ask you to please turn to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. When you have it, say amen. Good job. Who was that, Pam? (laughs) Oh, good job. Um, Amen? All right. Amen? All right. It's Saturday night, guys. Come on. Live it up. (laughs) All right. So it says in verse 18, chapter 43, verse 18, forget 
the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? How many of you can say amen? Amen? So God here is telling us, forget the things that are in the past. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on those things in the past. Forget about the things in the past because I am doing a new thing. And then he tells us with excitement. He says, you see, I am doing a new thing. Exclamation mark, right? Can't you see it? It's coming. Look ahead of you. There's something new coming. But here God tells us to forget about the past. And so I don't know how many of you guys can relate to me. Um, the other day, maybe like a week and a half ago, I was having a debate or a discussion or an argument. Either one of those words. You guys can choose which one to believe. Um, with a person, right? And... It passed, it was in the morning, and then at night I was taking a shower, and the shower is the place where all of my deep thinking happens. Do you guys do that, right? And so I was in the shower, and suddenly I started thinking, I'm like, man, I should have said this, and I should have said that, and I was like, you know, arguing in the shower. I was like, man, I could have done this and done that. And before I knew it, I had been in the shower for an hour, and I didn't even shower. You know what you do in the shower? Like shampoo. Well, guys, you guys have it easy. Girls, we have to do a lot in the shower, you know. So we have to maximize our time. I didn't do anything. I was just sitting there. I'm like, ah. you know. <laughs> because I was stuck in something that had already happened. And so what we have to understand is that the past is a mesmerizing place. And if we're not careful, we can get stuck there and it will hold us hostage. If you're not careful, the past will hold you hostage and you'll stay there and you'll imagine what could have been, what should have been, how things should have played out when it's too late to change any of those things. You guys understand what I'm saying? Amen? And so the famous American president... JFK, do you guys know who he is? Yeah? Oh, I see some history fans in the house. He said that those who look only to the past are certain to miss the future. And as Christians, we have to make sure that we don't miss the future. And so as Christians, and this is what I want to talk about today, there are certain things that keep us stuck in the past. There are certain things as Christians that do not allow us to move into the future. And I'm going to talk about those things today. There's only three of them that I'm going to talk about, so don't worry. And the first thing that I want to talk about is a lack of repentance. The first thing that keeps you and me as Christians stuck in the past is a lack of repentance. Can you guys say that with me? Lack of repentance. It's all groovy on the screen, right? And so what do we see? We see that when you live an unrepentful life, you are living a life full of shame and guilt. I'm not going to ask anybody any personal questions, but we all know, right? Because the Bible tells us that we're all sinners, so we all know how it feels to sin, right? Me included, everybody included, except for the Holy Lord and God, right? And so when we sin, when we live a life of sin, it's a life full of shame and guilt. 
And guilt and shame hold us hostage. They don't allow us to advance. That's what an unrepentful life leads to. And I like to compare a sin, a life without repentance to an abusive relationship. I know this is going to get a little bit serious. An abusive relationship. And I don't know, I don't know how many of you guys know this. Um, I like to focus on criminal law. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm finishing up law school right now, and my focus is criminal law. And so in criminal law, you deal a lot with, you know, well, especially my goal is especially, um, you know, abusive relationships and to advocate for the rights of the victims of abuse and violence. There's also some other people here. I see Adina. Adina's a social worker. Let's give Adina a round of applause. And she also will know what I'm talking about. She gets to deal with a lot of this too. But when you see situations of abuse, there's certain markers that you're looking for, right? And so what are those markers? The first thing that we see in a situation of abuse is that the person begins to mentally condition their victim. They try to change the way they think, try to form their mentality and condition them into thinking a certain way. After they're able to do that, then they start to tell them that the abuse that they're receiving is normal, right? This is normal. Everybody has a relationship like this. Everybody gets treated like this. And they begin to normalize the abuse. And then after that, what happens is that they begin to practice grooming behaviors. So the abuser takes their victim and starts to practice behaviors to groom them and shape them into the person that they want them to be. And then lastly, what happens after they do all of those things, the abuser tells the victim, you deserve this. What you're getting is because of your own doing. You did this, and this is why I'm abusing you. Everything that you're going through, you deserve. That's what an abusive relationship looks like or abusive situations. And sin is the same way. Sin does those same things to us, right? So first it tries to mentally condition us. It tries to change the way we think. It tries to change the way we see things and situations. Then what happens is that it tries to normalize it, right? It tries to plant this seed in us like, oh, this is normal. Everybody does this. Everybody's living like this. Everybody's doing these same things. Then it grooms our behavior, right? It gets us stuck in a pattern of behavior. How many of you guys have been, don't raise your hand, this is a rhetorical question. I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience where you struggle with a sin and no matter how much you want to stop doing that one thing, you always come back to that one thing, right? That's relatable. Even the Apostle Paul said it. The things I don't want to do, I do. He said that. He struggled with sin too. And so it begins to create these patterns of behavior in our life. And then finally, at the end, you begin to feel like you deserve bad things, right? You're like, oh, if something bad happens to me, I deserve it because I'm living in sin. And so that shame and that guilt starts to take over your life and you're like, oh, if I get a ticket, I deserve this ticket. God saw what I did the other day, and that's why I got this ticket, you know. And so everything bad that happens in your life, you're like, you, you're like, I don't have any right to complain about this because 
God knows what I'm doing, you know. And so you start to feel like you deserve bad things. That's how sin is in our life. I'll give you another example. Sin, how many of you guys have ever determined to eat healthy? Yeah, everybody? I, from time to time, I get in these moods where I'm like, you know, I'm going to eat a little healthier. I mean, I like to enjoy what I'm eating, you know. So I'm not going to eat extreme things like just lettuce all the time because or else there's no point in even eating. I need to eat at least something delicious, you know. But sometimes I get in these moods where I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit careful with what I'm eating. And then maybe one day you're very hungry and you see this plate of food. Maybe I'm going to use my example. You in your mind can put whatever your thing is. But I love ribs. Barbecue ribs. You guys like that? No? Okay. So I love barbecue ribs. But I know that I shouldn't eat a whole rack. Do you guys know what a rack is? Yeah? Okay. I don't know. I know I shouldn't eat a whole rack of barbecue ribs with two sides of mac and cheese. I know I shouldn't do that. Right? But when I'm hungry and I see it, I just look at it and I'm like, man, it looks so delicious. And I start to savor it and imagine what it's going to taste like. Right? And then you know what? I'm like, forget it. Tomorrow I'll eat lettuce. And so I get the plate and I eat the whole rack of ribs and the two sides of mac and cheese. Right? But then after I do that, guess how I feel? I feel so bad. I'm like, man, I should have never ate those ribs with the mac and cheese. I feel full of guilt. Right? I regret what I did. And on top of that, I feel nasty. Right? I'm like, I can't believe I ate 10 pounds of meat. That's disgusting. Right? And so sin is the same way. Right? You see it and you're like, man, it looks so good. This is going to be so fun or whatever it is, you know. And then once you do it, it leaves you feeling nasty. It leaves you feeling full of regret. And it leaves you feeling bad. Right? That's how sin is. And so what we see is that as Christians, the first thing that keeps us stuck in our past is a lack of repentance. When we don't live a repentful life, we're living a life of sinfulness. But true repentance leads to transformation. Amen? I'll give you guys an example. So the last time I had my um, relapse into my barbecue ribs... Um, I'm not, I wasn't doing it alone. I see a couple of people in this room that went with me to eat some barbecue ribs. Um, but it's always me and my husband together, right? And I'm always the one to blame. I'm like, babe, please, let's go get the ribs. And he's like, no, it's too far. I'm like, come on, I'm really hungry. And then he does what I want, right? The last time we went there, and it's a little bit like in the hood. I don't know if you guys know what that means. It means it's like out there, but it's the best ribs you're going to find in town, right? And the last time we went there, after we were sitting there, because there's not really a place to eat. You just order the ribs, and then you sit in your car or sit at, you find somewhere to sit, and you eat them, and it's, it's fine. But the last time me and my husband were sitting there in the car, we were like grease and barbecue sauce all over our face. And my husband looked at me, and he said, I'm never eating pork again. And I was like, yeah, right. And so I, you know, I tried to like the next day make bacon for breakfast or something like that. And he's like, no, I'm not eating it. 
And you know what happened? To this day, he has not eaten pork anymore. Even when I make bacon for breakfast, he makes me buy turkey bacon. <laughs> and he's Dominican. So even when they make like pernil and stuff like that, he won't eat it. And that's like he loves it. But true repentance leads to transformation. It leads to change. I want to read for you guys Acts chapter 3, verse 19. You guys can take notes and I'll read it for you. It says... Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Amen? It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And so that's exactly what I'm talking about. True repentance leads to transformation. Here the Bible tells us that when we repent and when we turn to God, our sins are wiped out and a time of refreshing comes, right? When you're refreshed and you think all things are possible, that's what happens when you have true repentance. And that's when you can escape from the past. The problem is that many of us here and many Christians in the church of Christ around the world, not just this church, everywhere, we don't understand true repentance, that's the problem with modern-day Christianity, right? A lot of Christians, modern Christians, think that repentance is just feeling sorry. It's just regretting what you did. That's not repentance. Repentance is a deep pain in your heart because you failed God. If you guys are taking notes, you can write down Psalm 51. It's the psalm that David wrote after he fell into sin and he failed God and God confronted him with his sin. And if you read that psalm, that's what true repentance looks like. It's a cry. David is on the floor. He's with his face on the floor crying out to God and begging God, God, erase my sin from me. Please don't look at my sin anymore. Cleanse me from my sin. You know I'm sinful and I was born sinful, but if you want Wash me with your blood, then I'll be free, right? That's repentance. It's a cry like you're begging God, God, I can't control this. You have to do something. Please change me. That's true repentance. And modern Christianity doesn't tell us that, right? But something that we have to understand is that the cross offers, offers us forgiveness of sin. But without repentance... There is no forgiveness of sin. We cannot receive forgiveness from our sin if we do not repent. That's something false. That's a myth. That's a fantasy. The only people that receive forgiveness of their sins are those who repent of their sins. That's what the Bible tells us. And so when you have true repentance, you can move forward. But when you have a lack of true repentance, you're stuck in the past. Amen? Amen? The second thing. That keeps us stuck in the past is a lack of forgiveness. Lack of forgiveness. Groovy. Right? I made these slides. I'm just kidding. Someone made them for me. I don't know how to do that. I still use PowerPoint. <laughs> um, the second thing is a lack of forgiveness. And for a minute, I'll share with you guys. This is one of the biggest problems that human beings can struggle with, right? Forgiveness is one of the hardest things for us as human beings to do, right? Because we're born with this sense of 
indignation or this sense of right and wrong, right? And when someone violates our, you know, our perception of right and wrong, we become indignant and we're like, how dare they, right? And sometimes it's superficial, but sometimes there are actual wrong things that are done to us. And it's very hard to forgive. It's one of the hardest things that as human beings we have to do. Um, for me personally, it was something that I struggled with. I was already a Christian. Don't judge me. I was already a leader. Don't judge me, right? And in the middle of my walk with God, something happened in my family. And my dad, he decided to go on a little excursion to another country and with some other people. And he found another woman to be with in that, instead of my mom. And just the way everything happened was so all of the sudden, right? And I remember thinking, because my he, we didn't know, we just found out. It's a little bit like dramatic, like in the novelas, you know? Um, my mom got a call from Colombia. She's like, hello. And she's like, I have some information from you, <laughs> right? And she's like, but I want to remain anonymous. I'm like, what is going on? And they told her, like, oh, your husband is here, and this is happening. I don't want to go into details. You guys can imagine it. Um, and for me, it was very difficult, right? My father was the sole, like, there's a traditional marriage kind of thing set up in my family. So my dad and my mom had an agreement. He was going to work and provide for the house. And my mom was going to stay home and raise the children. And so my father was the only provider for the house. And all of a sudden, he was leaving. He was disappearing. I had a job. But it was a little part-time job, and I used to make like $8 an hour, so I couldn't help my mom. It had been, my parents had been married for 24 years. So the last time my mom worked, the world was completely a different place. There was no technology. There was no computers. Everything was different. So the whole world, my whole world was shattering. And on top of this difficult situation, I was watching my brother and my sister suffering because of this. I was suffering, and not just because of the consequences, but also because it hurt, right? I don't know if you guys have been through situations like that where, you know, it hurts when the people you love do things like that. And so I became very angry. And I, I was like, how dare he? Right? And I was already a Christian. So I'm like, the Bible says that men are supposed to be the priests of the family. And the Bible says this and that. And so I became dignified and full of this arrogance. I'm like, how dare he do this to us? I can't believe he's putting me in this situation. And I became full of anger and full of bitterness and full of resentment. And you know what that lack of forgiveness did in my life? It separated me from God. And not only that, it led to sin, right? Because when you don't forgive, a lack of forgiveness separates you from God. And then a lack of forgiveness is going to cause you to live in sin, and that's what happens. That's how not forgiving holds you hostage. And I've seen it in so many people that you can be doing great with God. And as soon as you hold on to a lack of forgiveness, everything shatters. Your whole life with God begins to deteriorate because a lack of forgiveness brings bitterness and anger, but it also brings destruction to your own life. And in the Bible, we see an example. We see two examples, right? We see two brothers in the Bible. We see Esau. 
Him and his brother Jacob, they had a difficult relationship. Jacob was the younger brother. Esau was the older brother. And in the Bible, the oldest sibling was supposed to receive the blessing from the father. But Jacob stole the blessing from Esau. And the moment that Jacob stole the blessing from Esau, the Bible says that Esau determined in his heart to seek revenge. He said, when my father dies, I will find my brother and I will kill him. And that was the whole purpose of his life after that, right? On the other hand, we see a man named Joseph. Joseph was also wronged by his brothers. His brothers sold him as a slave. He went and became a prisoner in a different land, right? But the difference between these two men is that Joseph had a forgiving heart and he decided to just serve God. But Esau decided not to forgive. He decided to seek revenge. And the end of these two men, Joseph became the second most important person in the entire world because he had a heart for God and a heart of forgiveness. But the Bible tells us that Esau died far away from God. And displeased his parents. Because that's what a lack of forgiveness will do. A lack of forgiveness holds you hostage. But when you forgive, you receive freedom and you can grow. Amen? Amen? And finally, the last thing. Time is going by so fast, right guys? Yeah? Do you guys feel the same way? Yeah? Or just me? I'm like super excited to be with you guys. The last thing that keeps us stuck in the past is a lack of surrender, a lack of surrender. In the Bible, when God saw the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, when God saw how their wickedness had increased, he determined that he was going to destroy that land. But because of Abraham's intercession, God decided that he was going to save one man and his family. And that man was Lot, right? And God appeared to Lot and told him, listen, in, at this time, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. You and your family run away from this place and do not look back, right? And so when the time came, Lot started to run away with his daughters and with his wife but you know what happened his wife decided to look back and as soon as she looked back the bible says that she became a pillar of salt she was paralyzed right in the bible in luke in chapter 9 verse 59 through 62 jesus is going around calling several people to follow him and he says hey you right there come follow me and one of them says oh I have to go to a funeral. And then the other person says, okay, I'll follow you, but just give me some time to go and put my affairs in order. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, anyone that looks back to put his hand on the plow is not worthy of following me, right? And so as Christians, when we don't have surrender, we are stuck in the past. And when, you're, you don't, when you refuse to surrender, when you refuse to let go, when you're constantly looking back, what happens is that you become full of anxiety. You become full of pride. I can take care of this. I can take care of that. I know what's going to happen. And you become full of fear. Fear of failure. Fear of what might happen. Fear of the unknown. Right? But when you surrender, 
to God when you decide yes you know what I am gonna follow you Jesus and you drop everything and you just surrender to what God wants then the Bible says that God has a hope and a future for you and all of a sudden you're not living in the past anymore you're living in the future but what happens is that so many times we hold on tight right like that eagle that I started with we hold on so tight we refuse to let go. We refuse to let go of our sin. We refuse to let go of our resentment, of the people that hurt us. We don't want to let go to the things that are killing us. Why don't we want to let go? We don't want to let go because we don't know, right? We, we'd rather be with something that we know. Instead of trusting God for the future, we get stuck in a past that's killing us. And so today... My hope and my prayer for all of us is that we can escape from this horrible hostage situation of the past. That we all can move into the future. I'm going to ask you guys to please stand. And I want us to pray together. And what I want to do, um, the Bible says that, the Bible says that the altar is symbolic, right? We come to the front. It's not just because like, you know, when I first became a Christian, I used to just follow everyone to the front. I'm like, okay, I guess we're going to the front now. And then, okay, we're going back to our seat. It's not just because everyone else is doing it. It's not just because, you know, the person is like, hey, everybody come to the front and worship. No, it's because here is a symbol of the presence of God. The Bible tells us that the altar purifies the offering and our life is the offering and so we come to the altar to be purified and today I'm going to invite you guys to come to the altar to come forward and we're going to pray right where you're at you can come now if you feel super super uncomfortable you can stand in the back of the altar I'm just kidding And today I want us to have a time and you know the Bible tells us that God this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible God is the one who searches our heart and he is the one who sees our hidden anxieties and our hidden worries he knows what's in your heart he knows the sins that you're struggling with he knows the things you have to repent for he knows the people that have harmed you and that you have to forgive. He saw the pain that you went through. He knows. God knows all things. And you know, life is crazy because there's so many things in our life and in life in general that are outside of our control, right? Like, I can't control. I mean, some of you are going to understand this and some of you are not. I can plan a pretty picnic, but I can't predict the weather. You guys get it? No? It's a lyric from a song in the 90s, right? You can plan as many things as you want, but there's things that are outside of your control, right? Like you can never control who lives and who dies. You can't control what's going to happen tomorrow. But you know what's interesting? These three things that I talked about today, those things are completely in your control. There's three things that you can decide to do. No one else can force you to do them, and no one else can do them for you. Only you can repent for your sins. Only you can decide to forgive the people that hurt you. And only you can decide to surrender. It's something so personal, 
something so individual and that's what I want to pray for today I want us all to do that together so for a moment just close your eyes and you're just gonna raise your hands in the presence of the Lord and just feel the presence of God in this place you know God is so good and he tells us that when we come to him he is faithful and just and he wants to forgive us he longs to forgive us all he's waiting for is our repentance and so i want you to think about the sins that you have been struggling with think about those things that have been holding you hostage those sins that have been keeping you in that abusive relationship that have tried to normalize those behaviors that have tried to bring shame and guilt to your life and that make you feel like a failure that make you feel defeated think about those sins right now and you're gonna think about David and you're gonna say God today I repent from my sins those sins that only you see God those things that I've been struggling with that only you have seen that nobody else knows about that nobody else has seen those behaviors Lord those things that I keep going back to even though I don't want to those things that leave me feeling empty those things that leave me with shame today I bring them to you God thanks so much for tuning in before you go make sure to click the follow button so you never miss what's new we would love to connect with you you can follow us on instagram at g12church and share with us how this message has impacted you until next time